Welcome back to The Art of Conversation. Today we are speaking to Helena Baker. Helena is a friend of mine and she is the queen of networking and she's bringing networking to the masses. She's an early adopter of networking, growing her original copywriting business and now she empowers others to network and build their business through her ESN, the English Speaking Network. So she's been able to build her own professional network and now sees how many business owners every single week can leverage and don't necessarily leverage their network to build their business. She gives tips today for communicating successfully at live networking events. We dive into LinkedIn and how she uses that type of networking for growth as well and how to track the ROI of networking. Welcome to The Art of Conversation. I'm Aaron Wogelinter. And I'm Chaim Simcha. Nowadays, we are constantly communicating and in conversation with everyone around us. We are two extroverts and conversation lovers exploring the depths of human connection, communication, and the soft skills needed on a daily basis. This is the Meta Conversation, a conversation about conversations. So tune in and join the conversation. Hi, Helena. Welcome to the show. What do you think is the most important mindset when it comes to networking when you walk into a networking event? What do you think that mindset that really helps you win at this is? I would say, and I think that this is a mistake that a lot of people say, and definitely Aaron's seen this in the past, is people who come to network to sell. You're never ever coming to a networking meeting. As a salesperson, I, I know that when I'm on a call with a potential client and I've got kind of my sales hat on, I'm in a very specific strategic mode and a way of speaking. And even the, the intonation, things that I say are very like, we are sales and that is what we are doing right now. At a networking event, I never ever want to see people sell what you are there to do is build relationships. So you're kind of more there with like your question asking hat on. So you don't even want to be speaking for too long. You know, it's not a podcast. You're not giving a speech. I would say you kind of speak for two to three minutes, if that, but certainly no more. And you catch yourself. Oh, actually, I've spoken for a long time. So let's give it back now to the other person and ask them a question. It should be more of a schmoozy dialogue. Think fresh as fair. Think maybe if you did all panel we're making friends rather than kind of the salesy mode. Are you self-dubbed as the networking queen? Is that I dubbed that myself, I think. I think. So um, where did that come from? Where did you like what are the early stages of this of this networking? Because it is a skill and it is something that needs to be worked on over time. So So for me, I'll be honest, I think it was fairly intuitive from the start. But yeah, for a lot of people it's a skill and I'll be honest, I also have people. You've got to want you've got to want to work it. I have some people who join. And they just don't want to make the effort. And, and it doesn't just happen naturally. You know, they come to the meeting and they'll not schmooze at the start. They'll sit to the side and they'll kind of do their 60 seconds half-heartedly. And then the meeting finishes and they rush off. I see that. Not a lot, but I do see that. Those people are rarely going to benefit from networking because they're not there with the right frame of mind. It is work. And I think a big problem with networking is because it's kind of this weird boundary of fun but also work people kind of just go and they're like well I'm here to have a good time they're kind of not thinking strategically they're not thinking how am I best going to use these connections and I see a lot of people with networking approaching it either kind of too far the other way of all this is fun and I'll just kind of if I have time I'll come and the other end of just I can't be bothered I joined because I had to do something for my business but I'm not really going to put the effort in both of those options are kind of due to failure. It is about showing up. It's about being serious, about, yes, dressing appropriately and being engaged and active. 
in terms of my networking journey, um, very briefly is that I was a freelance writer in England yeah. <laughs> and did a lot of networking there to really grow my business because I was 22 when I started and I had no contacts, no clue what I was doing. And so just went to lots of networking events because the barrier to entry there was low. Like, you know, you just had to pay your turns up. And if you worked the room, then you would get a good ROI on it. So I did a huge amount of networking. I would say, you know, for four years, I was networking a minimum of three to four times a week. So oh, I wow. really, yeah, yeah. I would wake up at like five o'clock in the morning to drive to events. It was like hectic. Um, so when I moved to Israel and saw there was a lack of networking for English speaking business owners, that's where ESN came from. And then ESN International came out of the kind of need for networking internationally and with COVID kind of moving things online. But I did a lot of networking in England. So I saw the good, the bad and the ugly. Interesting. You mentioned the ROI. Mm -hmm. So for those of you who don't know what ROI is, it's return on investment. Um, if does every network, does every relationship, do you look at relationships and networking as in terms of ROI? That's a really good question. I like that. No, I don't think you can do that because I think that's a really dangerous path to go down. And I also think that people don't always approach networking properly in the sense that they're kind of making friends, which is great. Like definitely, if you want to make friends, then go for it. But you want to think of it more in terms of you're there to network with the net with the wider network of the people in the room. So you're not selling to the people in the room. You want to make it really clear to the people in your room whom your strategic partners are, so who are going to pass you business and ask to meet with their network who do that. So say when I was a copywriter, for me, a great referral was a um, website designer because they could pass me business. So I would every week stand up and say, listen, if you have any web designers in your wider network, please introduce me. And by building those connections, that way you can get business. I think that's a really smart way to do it rather than kind of selling to the room. I think ROI with networking can get a little bit tricky what I would also say is that relationships that I created four years ago only came to fruition, you know, literally three or four years later when people then reproached me asking for copywriting work. I had someone as recently as six months ago from a networking event I must have gone to seven years ago approach me about a copywriting project. I no longer take on copywriting projects. I referred him to members of ESM, but I'm saying it really can work in that way, but it's a, it's a long-term marketing strategy. Very interesting. And, and what I'm hearing here is super interesting when I'm hearing between the lines, which I, I, this is what I'm hearing. Tell me if I'm correct is it's not about necessarily about the people that are in the room. It's about who they know. Exactly. So I mean, I've heard this a long time ago that every person knows about a thousand people, a hundred to 200, they know closely. And then, um, they'll know those 800 people that you don't know. So it's about those people. And when you think about that, you're in a room with 10 other people, you're talking about another 800 people that you don't know that could potentially refer you business. And another aspect which I really, really loved was re getting referred to people who can refer you clients. That's beautiful. That's like cre creating strategic alliances with people who are not your competition. So you're not taking away anything from them, but you can add them value and they can add, their, they and their network can add value to what you're doing. That's beautiful. Thank you. I didn't so, make that up, I should say. <laughs> that is a very old networking strategy. <laughs> but, it, but the fact that you push it, just to give you context and anybody listening context, is that that's what, that's what happens at the ESNs. It's not a, um, it's not your classic sit around and have a beer. It's come in focused and everybody gets 60 seconds to say their pitch. And Helena pushes us that the pitch is not, this is what I do, come work with me sales but rather 
this is what I do. These are the people who I work well with. These are the people who can give me business. If you know them, put me in touch. And that's how you should spend your 60 seconds, which you're saying is an old age. Uh, yeah, this is, uh, yeah, definitely not. I mean, as part of the BNI is kind of the big behemoth of networking. It exists in Israel as well. It's in Hebrew. There was an English one years ago. Um, but they kind of force you onto these trainings as part of BNI, which is a little bit court-like anyway. Um, and so I went to all of these trainings and I really saw in action what works and what doesn't. Um, and at the end of the day with networking, as long as you are a nice person, people want to refer you business. They want to help with you with Parnassa. So the most important thing is you want to be known as someone who arrives on time, who smiles, who's friendly, who's warm, you know, those sorts of things. I don't know that everyone realizes how much of an impact just those simple things have on people thinking about, well, would I refer that person to a client? It's not always about how competent they are, but also about kind of their bedside manner, essentially. Interesting. They say that, that people will buy from you if they like you and they trust you. People did not give me business as a copywriter because I was a fantastic copywriter because I was not a fantastic copywriter. What I was was, you know, nice, professional, I turned up on time, I did what I needed to do. It was not based on my, you know, exceptional ability as a copywriter. Likeability. Yeah, I was mediocre. I think it's, do you think there's like a percentage of people that come to you for your work and percentage that come to you through this? What because do you through the work? Through... Through you um, showcasing your work, like somebody reads your the copy you wrote and said, wow, this is amazing. Oh, I see. You have to be good enough, no? Yeah, exactly. So there's a level. I was good enough, but I was never like... The issue with me as copywriting, I think, was A, was the proofreading was a huge barrier for me. Like, I'm not great with proofreading and I could never get good proofreaders. Uh, that was a big problem. Um, and all, I mean, I don't copyright anymore, I should add. <laughs> uh, for, for, for good reasons. Don't reach out to Helena yeah. for copywriting. But I have great copywriters I can refer to. Um, well, you should reach out because then she has content <laughs> yeah. for a podcast to talk <laughs> oh, about. Exactly. Um, but also, I have a very specific tone of voice, which I love. And I think I'm a really good writer and I'm told I am, but I, it's harder for me to kind of whatever. But I think the proofreading was was a major barrier there for me. I hear that most a lot a lot of people get stuck at proofreading. There are not yeah. very many good. They're not. Well, I'm not. I'm going to eat my words. Not a lot of people can do both copywriting and proofreading well. And there are proofreaders, but they're <laughs> extremely expensive. Right. And then I had proofreaders who would also and I would pay proofreaders, and they would miss things. It was like really hard for me to right. find. That was really the biggest barrier. Actually, was to be honest with the proofreader. Interesting. So a lot, a lot of people when we like you step into a non a more traditional networking situation. So people that these fears and anxieties come into people that it's like, uh, what am I going to talk about? What am I going to do? So I know you've spoken about this through one of your posts. I'm sure it was a long time ago at this point, but sort of like this etiquette of how long yeah. how long to spend. So we're walking to a regular traditional yeah, okay. uh, open networking. What's what's like a way to work the room? Okay, 20 so, minutes you stick and, and talk to somebody? Like what's the... Uh... So I would take it back a little bit, even before we've turned up to the event. I think that's the first place to start. You really, if you're going to that sort of networking event, and let's go an example that it's in a bar and it's 100 people and it's like very overwhelming. Even for me, like who I'm pretty good at networking, it's really unpleasant. And I'll tell you the difference when I go to events now, when I went to when I first made Aliyah, is that a lot of people do know me from LinkedIn and they approach me. I don't mean to say that as like, whatever, it just is the reality of the situation. So it makes my life much easier. But when I first used to go to those events, they were terrifying. And the, the things that I would always say is even before you go, 
this sounds really stupid make sure you're wearing clothes that you feel confident in I think it's huge make sure you kind of give yourself like you're not rushing don't come straight from work rushing rushing like make sure you go home make sure you've eaten before you never arrive to a networking event hungry ever you never trust a networking event to feed you adequately that's like very very important for me you go home you relax you eat you get changed, you think confidently, and then you make sure you turn up to the event early. In my opinion, if you are on time for a networking event, you are already late. Firstly, you're gonna get lost probably, so that's number one. I would advise about being 15 minutes early. Now, what's really great about turning up early to an event is two things. There will be other people like you, so you'll have a very, very small crowd to talk to, rather than 100 people who are gonna be there within half an hour to 45 minutes. But also the organizer will be there now. If they are busy setting up, please leave them alone. Like, please let them set up because I've had people come to my events, like, and I'm not joking, I have people come to my event. I did a, like, an event with 100 people, turn up like an hour early. Like, I'm not schmoozing you an hour early. I'm still very much in stress zone and I just can't really, thank God I had a separate room to just kind of stuff them in, but I can't really handle you at that point. But if you are 15 minutes early and the organizer seems really relaxed, go up, hello, my name is X. I'm networking for the first time. I'm a little bit nervous. Do you have any advice? Is there anyone you could introduce me to? Make sure that they know who you are. And then at that stage, when there's only a few people there, it's much easier to go and talk to people, much, much easier. So that's my main point of advice. And then once you're there, I would say you want to talk to people for no more than 15 minutes, personally, if the conversation is positive and you feel this kind of a connection there, whatever that means, or a spark, at that point, you can say, listen, this was a great conversation. I'd love to take your details. LinkedIn in is where you can take WhatsApp easily. It's less mukubal outside, whatever it is, and follow up with them. Make sure you do that follow-up because that's really what's important. The conversation in the room is really just a starting ground. So I would say 15 minutes. And when you're having a conversation with someone, it's so easy, especially when you're a bit nervous, to kind of just talk and talk and talk and, and not draw breath and not give them the chance to speak. So make sure that you're checking in with yourself the whole time. Did I just speak for ages? And you can literally say, you know, I've spoken for ages, so I'm a bit nervous. Um, tell me a little bit more about yourself. When did you move to Israel? Whatever. We never ask about partners. We never ask about kids. <laughs> Certain topics you wait, they bring up, it's fine. We don't ever bring those up because they can be sensitive issues. So keep it very kind of neutral. Um, where do you live? What, you know, what, what are your hope? Where do you get clients from? If it's a freelancer event, it's always a great question, that sort of thing. But really make sure to avoid sensitive topics. Interesting. And when you mentioned that a lot of people know you from LinkedIn. Yeah. So how does this translate? And people say that uh, LinkedIn is the biggest networking event in the world. <laughs> how does this translate into LinkedIn? Because a lot of our spe a lot of our listeners yeah. are going are on LinkedIn. Most of our I live on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. um, and they'd love to know how to approach people, how not to approach yeah. people. People, if you remember what Helena said at the beginning, don't sell people the second you connect with them. But yes, Helena's LinkedIn is, is such a tricky one, I'm going to be honest. And it's constantly changing. And behaviors that were acceptable six months ago kind of very quickly become kind of demo day. So it's not the easiest platform. Unfortunately, with LinkedIn, I would also say that outreach isn't enough. You do have to be posting as well. And then you have to be interacting. So there's like a lot to LinkedIn that perhaps is too much for this talk. In terms of specifically outreach, which is not enough by itself, but if you wanna do outreach, then I would say, this is not the strategy that I use, but we'll, 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 we'll circle back to that. I would say you wanna be reaching out, you get a maximum of 100 a week. 
I would not aim for that. I would aim for, you know, 20 a week and try and reach out to them in genuine, authentic ways. So I'm going to take Aaron here just because I, I know him and I know what he does. He's a fantastic podcast producer. And for him, let's say a good person to speak to is a person in branding. So I would look for people in branding, wherever they are. And then I would really look at their profile and try and connect with them in a certain way. So, hey, X, wow, I see you went to this university. Funnily enough, my brother-in-law went there. Like, try and find a point of connection with them so it doesn't just feel generic. You can tell that they, you've really spent time on that message. Um, you know, I'm a podcast producer. I'm always keen to be with other branding people. Would you be open to a Zoom? A very neutral, don't make it too long. People are not reading. Keep it nice and short. Connect with them a certain way and see what happens. Now, I think most people will probably ignore the message, which is fine. But once you connect with them, then they're in your newsfeed and then they'll start seeing your content and hopefully kind of it will work that way that they'll see your content and eventually they will hop on that call. But LinkedIn is, is a tricky beast and there's a, there's a lot to it. I don't feel that that's sufficient information no. for somebody, but it's, it's, it's a start. D- <laughs> yeah, DMs, is so, DMs is so tricky because it's really hard. there's no one way to do it. Sometimes what you're saying and... I get that message. Sometimes it works. Yeah. And I'm like intrigued. Wow. And sometimes like, wow, that is so creepy. <laughs> but it, there's no like one way. It's really, it's really hard with LinkedIn. And the way that I use LinkedIn, which I do not recommend, is that I have a template that I send to people um, to invite them to the networking events for free. Um, it does work. It doesn't always, it works enough that it makes it worthwhile for me to do it. Let's say it's certainly not anywhere close to even 70% in terms of ROI. I would say it's probably closer to 25, 30. I'd have to do the maths. It does work enough. Um, but I have a very niche thing that I offer and so I can kind of get away with it and I have a good profile they look at and whatever. But it's, I even think for men and women, it's different. I think with women, you get away with it a little bit more, to be honest. It's, it's a complicated, nuanced Interesting. battleground. And it's, I mean, those messages I used to send four years ago were far higher success rate than they are today. So an interesting tip, there's just like, because like I said, I live on LinkedIn, people need, like we just said, we just spoke about this, people need seven touches in order to buy. So when, if you, if there's somebody who you want to connect with, you want to get on a Zoom, start showing up in, when when they post content, start showing up there. There was a guy, it was funny, because a guy, he reached out, um, we connected a year ago. Um, he viewed my profile, and so I sent him a message. I sent him a message when when we connected. He has a company, I think, in Australia or something. Um, looks like a great guy, and looked. It was an interesting company, fintech company. I sent him a video message, just because, like, it's different. Do something different than than people. Give more of an experience because people just like typing. It's just very very bland. That would freak me out, to be honest, if some okay. dude sent me a, a video. I hear that. But I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying, like, that's what I'm saying. If everyone is different. This is, like, part of when I were talking about this um, translation from real networking events to the greatest networking, biggest networking event, which is LinkedIn. But, like, I, I like to think about the one I create content that or respond to content of what would I say if I was in the room with this person? If they said... Nice. If they said, uh, you know, this is how you run a business. So what would I say back? So obviously I would nod. So you put a nod. Wow, that's great. But then you add, okay, I, I always thought that was only about this or whatever whatever then comes, right? Because I can respond in real life. So that helps. That's like a translation. That's really nice. I like that. Taking it from, from real. So I wonder if you see any, you've spoken about how it's so different, but like what are some of the the little nuances that happen in a in a real life thing that maybe in the comment section that would work or... 
yeah. that you could translate? Um, in terms of, listen, the similarity is that it is kind, it's the same. You want people to like you and you've got to find ways for people to like you, whether that's in face-to-face networking, whether that's online. Unfortunately, they're very different mediums, but that's really the main thing is how to find how to how to find ways for people to engage with you, to like you, to relate to you. And that's unfortunately where we have to do those personal posts and things like that, because that's what tracks on LinkedIn. In the same way that when you share with someone something personal in a face-to-face networking event, they immediately like you more. On LinkedIn, are you still getting on Zooms? What I mean by still is that you've anybody can check. You've obviously grown quite a bit there. And what works when you're growing to when you've grown already is different. So do you still, for me, the one-on-ones are incredible. Once I get somebody onto a Zoom, they come back to my content so strong. I create this incredible relationship with them. Do you do that at I your stage as well? I don't enough one-to-ones at all. And I did it when I started and I don't now. And it's something I'm actively working on because it's a really important part of the LinkedIn strategy. And it's something that I've been missing for a long time. And I'm really working on that because I was so focused on getting people to ESN that I wasn't thinking about actually just networking for LinkedIn content, which is so key to growing a base. And it's something that I'm actively working on. So I think... So that's super interesting. All the people who, who comment on mine, who all the people who I appreciate and comment, I've had one-on-ones with. Not that there aren't people who, do, who don't, but like those people I've had and invested the time, no, they come back strong. It's something that so. I've, been tra- I've been failing with it, but I've been trying, but failing quite miserably. But it's it, it's very interesting. Like the the, the there's, I'm getting a visual right now. So let's say a networking events. I love networking events, especially the big expos. I could do that all day, every day, especially the ones with free drinks. Mm-hmm. Anybody doing tech events, make sure you have an open bar, um, and I then hate invite the tech me. Events, by the way, they're all for women, but carry on. I, I've had terrible experiences with tech events. Terrible. Really? I went to one recently. A person that I knew ish was inebriated with quite clearly. Um, saw me, was like, oh my gosh, Helena, so nice to see you. Um, hugged me a number of times, like strokes my hair. It was very uncomfortable. Like I felt, I felt like I needed to shout. It was extremely unpleasant. Um, yeah, yeah. It was. An, I'm saying, obviously, this person was an exception. Um, and I think the fact that they were very inebriated was like huge, obviously, to do with it. But um, I used to see that a lot of property events in England where people would get absolutely, I'm sure it's property events, but in England there was loads of them and I used to do a lot of work in property. And oh my gosh. And the, the truth is, and this is the sad truth of those events, is that a lot of women really played up to the role that they were assumed to have at those events um, in the way that they dressed and in the way that they acted. And listen, it worked for their business development, I guess, but it was really antithetical to right <laughs> so no, I, t- I totally hear that that at the tech events which we so that, yeah. not tech <laughs> events at events <laughs> that we them, um, fine. <laughs> right so the the like if you, you see them and you're there there are people so you start talking or, or even if you're presenting like you're presenting to 100 people but then the important part is when you have that five minutes to take somebody off on the side and to talk to them and to really understand. And from what you're saying is not even to talk to them, it's to listen to them, which is super, super important. Um, actually, so I always, I, I love to tell this story. Um, and since um, I think you're British because of the accent, uh, it's a great story. Benjamin Disraeli, who was a, a former British prime minister, um, he was described as the greatest conversationalist of his time. And so, um, Somebody, they asked somebody who was in his circle why he was so good. And he said that he, he knew which questions to ask. And then he just listened. Yeah. And that's basically like, that was it. 
you don't, you don't have to have a PhD in everything and anything that people know. You just need to know which questions to ask, and then you actually listen. Yeah. So yeah, that's beautiful. I agree. I mean, he's long dead. But yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. Um, Shout but, out to <laughs> Yeah, Benjamin the Israeli. But um, going back to the one-on-ones, I think that that's the... And I think that for anybody who's doing any sort of business, that's where, that's where it really happens. I think that's where, that's where the, like you said, uh, Aaron, that's where the magic happens. It's, it's not about the five minutes that you spend with them at the event. It's not about the coffee meeting that you have after that. It, the coffee meeting turns into building the relationship, and then all good things come from there. 100%. Yeah. And it's about continuing that relationship as well, which I think is where LinkedIn works so well with networking. Because if you get someone into your kind of LinkedIn newsfeed and they meet you, you have that one to one, and then they're constantly seeing your content, it means they'll kind of never forget you. I saw a really powerful post by Michal Eskowitz, who's a phenomenal, phenomenal business owner. She does copywriting courses. She's exceptional and she was doing a post how she really wanted to hire this photographer she'd used in the past and she could not find him for love of money she asked everybody she looked at her inbox and had this person been posting on social then she would have seen him and been able to find him but unfortunately she just couldn't give him the work because she wasn't able to remember his name and i think that's such an important reminder of that constant linkedin posting which can feel so endless and often does not lead to an roi immediately if at all every post it can be feel endless but you know it does get the job done essentially hundred percent. I I'll, one th- one more thing. Um, it's I, I once posted a, a while ago. I post a lot about coffee because basically that's like part of how I run. But I asked, "What's the ROI on a cup of coffee?" Think about it for a second. What's the ROI on a cup of coffee? You sit down with somebody for a cup of coffee. You never know what what it's what it's going to lead to. And it's not somebody who you want to do business with or whatever. It's you sit down. No, I think we, we've, we've spoken about this with no preconceived notions, just sitting down, schmoozing two people, obviously in business. And then that leads to amazing, amazing things. Not necessarily immediately. Okay, so um, I want to take this also to... So Obviously, networking and LinkedIn are two parts of how you built your business and, and the business itself. But you also have another layer of this that you you teach this. And you um, can you just explain to us what that is and sort of the challenges that people are facing um, when it comes to to LinkedIn? So all, all the members of ESN get free LinkedIn training. So I see what a lot of kind of solopreneurs are struggling with. And then for clients, it's much bigger clients. So it's bigger brands and businesses. The challenges, though, are pretty much the same to be what it, what is it? You I mean for a bigger brand and business, you I come do, in and I do I, like trainings and outsource management occasionally, but I don't take on so many clients for that. Like I have two potentials, and, and we'll see. Um, in terms of challenges, I think a lot of people approach LinkedIn content in like the nineties way, where it's super professional and they're just kind of giving over. This is how I do it, and things like that, and they're very. They're quite um, on their high horse about the personal posts and they're very like, oh, this isn't appropriate for LinkedIn. I'm like, well, have you been on LinkedIn? You know what? That is my biggest issue with people on LinkedIn is I'm like, have you spent even 15 minutes scrolling this platform and looking at what your competitors are posting and looking at what people are posting? Because 15 minutes is all it takes to really see that actually the posts that I'm doing are not working. You know, they're just not, they're not the appropriate 
things for the for the platform anymore. So I think that's the biggest thing is people just kind of hope that they just post and hope that you know it will work. And you know, there's a, a lot behind it. And in order to really understand what to do, you need to spend some time actually scrolling, which is not it's not fun platform to scroll really. It's not like Instagram. It's not super engaging. I had COVID over Pesach, so I was in Budud. So I spent about a day scrolling LinkedIn because <laughs> I had nothing else to do. Um, it's good that you only do that when you have uh, when you have COVID and not on a regular day. Yeah, <laughs> I always spend quite a lot of time scrolling, but not a day. <laughs> Definitely not a day. Um, but I really was really. I, was fa- really I found that stop scrolling at some point because I just have a list, like an Excel yeah, sheet of yeah, of people I want to engage with. I don't always see your post, Chaim. I don't always see your post, and so I do. The really? news, I do a scroll of my news views, and then I search two hashtags, and then I have a spreadsheet as well as you. Cool. Well, you guys are fancy. I don't know. I just follow the people who I actually want to see their stuff. And then whenever I see that stuff. You do see mine. When I do a post, I always spend about 45 minutes engaging with other people's posts before I post, basically. Because you wanted them to to see you. Because that's what LinkedIn says is what you've got to do. So that's what you do. It's so funny. Bring a sacrifice to the the algorithm gods or uh, warm up the algorithm as however you want to look at it. it. So as we, um, as we, we call it an end, what, who are three people that you that you follow? And for you, I'm going to make it specifically on LinkedIn. Sure. Um, three people on LinkedIn that help you get better at what you do, help you get better, be it networking, just being a fantastic person. So in terms of networking, I actually don't know many people speaking about networking cool. on LinkedIn. If I'm missing some, I'm always happy to hear. I'd love to make more connections in that space. Tag them below. I see a lot of people I know, especially do networking in London, who do posts on LinkedIn that get, to say terrible engagement would be an underestimation. Like, really. And that, yeah, it's interesting. Very interesting. I'm one of the only few networking networking people really using LinkedIn, I would say. Again, if I'm wrong, I'm more than happy to be wrong, but that's been my experience. Um, in terms of people, I think Michal Eskowitz is an incredibly graceful, phenomenal LinkedIn poster. Um, she doesn't go with trends at all. She is phenomenal. I think Richard Van der Blom, who is very much the LinkedIn king, is posts about really interesting helpful stuff um and it's just a phenomenal use tool for linkedin 100 percent. i think he comes he he posts like a huge he does uh, an amount of information yeah. exactly about what's what works on linkedin what's not working fantastic guy yeah he's amazing and then i would the truth is that someone i, I gained a lot from on linkedin but who stopped posting um is someone called luke matthews um who stopped posting and i I think you know he's a bit bit of an interesting character but in terms of his content it was super helpful and super interesting um and i gained a lot from his content so it is worth going and scrolling back to look at his old stuff his newer stuff becomes a bit kind of anti-linkedin and just irrelevant i think that was very interesting that's always a fun way to grow on linkedin is like do like meta linkedin talk because you're talking about linkedin on linkedin and you throw it in it does it does better because everyone all of your yeah. connections are interested if they're on linkedin and they're semi-active LinkedIn will push up as well if it's content about linkedin right about linkedin it's interesting there was one guy i'm, I'm not going to mention his name who was on linkedin a while ago um and from the circles that i guess i guess we're all somehow connected to those circles yeah. and he was growing very very fast and the way he grew was controversy so he used to like drop a bomb of something and then and and i'm looking at this and i'm like so, so one of my like values, like one of my like bedrock of LinkedIn is I never, never go negative yeah. ever. There's if a difference I, between controversy and negative though, but I hear and, what you're and saying. And I'll, I'll, I'll disagree with people very respectfully. Um, I'll add to people again, very respectfully, but he, 
and that's all he did and then he got banned really and i'm like dude of course what are you thinking and then you had like 10 people who were like because because everybody gets whatsapps like post with this hashtag bring whatever How did I miss this? it was years ago oh, okay. it was years ago um I, I think it's already been years ago and then it's like and then i'm, I'm looking and i'm like but why would you do that and that's not how you grow business yeah exactly it doesn't it's like yeah i think like that might work for politics but why like why why would why would anybody do that but um I think a lot of those, the people who grow really, really quickly, they have an aspect of like that sensationalism, which fizzles. Yeah, also they're not got any clients, so they have lots of time to spend. The more time you spend on LinkedIn, the better posts will do. So I suspect very strongly that a lot of these people are not earning especially well or particularly busy and can spend hours and hours on LinkedIn just, you know, doing that a lot. That's my very heavy suspicion. (laughs) Very heavy. I hear um, and I also want to say that there's a difference between growing a following and growing a business, and they can be very yes. exclusive. They do not, uh, they do not necessarily help. Well, you see certain people who are clearly doing well. They have businesses. Let's say you've even worked with them, and then you come onto LinkedIn. They have a thousand followers. Like they don't have this, but they're okay with it because it's creating business for them. It's not creating followers, and that's yeah. it's an inspiration. Super important point, which. Everybody should who's listening here, and if you're starting out on LinkedIn, if you've been on LinkedIn, if you're on LinkedIn for 12 years and you haven't been posting yet, start posting. But one of the most amazing things is to get a private message saying, hey, let's go do coffee because you're doing X, Y, and Z from someone who has never, ever engaged with your content. And it happens. I, I've done it. It's happened. You just have to actually show up consistently. But it happens and it's amazing. Most of your people will never, ever engage with your content. Just remember that. But like Helena said so eloquently, and it's so true, growing a business beats growing a following. Thank you so much, Helena. Thank you for joining us here um, for your insights on networking. Um, We didn't get to online networking. That's a whole nother beast. But uh, we appreciate you coming. Appreciate you coming out here and... uh, Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Art of the Conversation, where we're having conversations about having conversations. What tips, tricks, what works, and what doesn't work. Um, We hope you enjoyed this episode. And in the show notes, you're going to see a link to our LinkedIn post. Please go and join us in the conversation. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you didn't like. Feel free. Offer some other things we should talk about. Join the conversation. 